Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. Sometimes in business, we make mistakes and we fail. But is failure really failure? Today's guest, Elaine Boyd, submits that maybe it's not. Elaine is a serial entrepreneur, passionate leader, and a high-growth founder. She's also a 10KSB alumni, which I just just realized in our conversation. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So why the topic of failure, not failure? What's your viewpoint there? You know, I... I would thought about my my path as being a serial entrepreneur and and thinking about wow had I not experienced what I thought was a failure back then I would be moving so much slower than I am now and then hearing about like when a, another entrepreneur they're talking about things in their past that were a failure whether it was a company or a product and they feel so much shame whenever they're expressing that and I just really started realizing these aren't failures they feel like failures because it was devastating to us at the time. But those are the times that we learned the most. You know, when things are easy and or we got we struck some luck on something, we're not really learning as much from those experiences because we hit gold and we could just keep running. But when something's difficult, then that's where that real learning happened. And so I just started looking at it. I'm like, these weren't failures in my life. These were the building blocks for me to be successful where I am now. And the same thing for my for my other colleagues that are entrepreneurs. You know, I, I tell my leadership team now it's that my worst nightmare employee was literally my first employee. The first time I got promoted to a manager, she taught me so much just because of all the challenges. <laughs> but you're right. Challenges are what creates those learning lessons. Um, so tell me, can you share one of, the the failures that you perceived as a failure? Oh, for sure. I mean, gosh, there's many. Uh, one of them was when I was pregnant with my son eight years ago, I opened a maternity store and the day it opened, I was eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was also running my software company at the time. I had 125 employees and I thought it was a great idea to open a retail store. Mm-hmm. And it was excruciatingly painful <laughs> to try to take on so much. I was carrying so much stress and then having a newborn baby after that. And I I learned a lot about not just that wasn't a good idea at the time, but I learned I can build a website in 24 hours now because I needed to do things fast having that retail store. So, you know, I can I can do things so much faster. I learned a deep understanding of email marketing from that experience. And and also realizing I think in life when we see as something as failure, one part that we can learn from it too is that what did we not enjoy about that experience because then I don't need to do that again. I learned I don't like retail. Okay. I like owning companies that I don't have to be there for. And when you open a new retail store and you're a small business, you know, you're going to be there quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so I realized that's not really a great business for me to own in my future because I prefer a tech company that I can work remotely 
So I ended up, I lasted about, I think, 18 months till I closed the doors on it. And I, and I was shameful for a while. Like I didn't make it successful. Mm-hmm. And well, I had a lot of things not only going against me, but I was, I was in tech going into retail. And so I was trying to learn what that world was like while still running my tech company and having a newborn. And so I was like, you know what? I can't take on that much. That's way too much. But in, I sold that company um, a year later. I sold, not sorry, I, I sold my maternity. I closed my maternity store. I sold my tech company and realized in my retirement, what do I want to do? Well, I do not want to go back to opening a store. I have to be there in person. But I learned, even though I'm in tech, I learned so much more about the tech that I love from having that experience of the retail store. And what is the tech that you love? I, well, I love the process and operations side of companies. So I sold that company. And then in my retirement was, you know, what am what am I going to do now? And when I went through the sale of that company, I realized one thing that I do well that other companies don't necessarily do is the process and operations. How do you make it a well-oiled machine? And so mm. I decided to come from that perspective and help companies put in ClickUp, Asana, Monday. What do workflows look like? What does documentation look like? And so this has been a lot, a fun journey for me coming out of that. It's interesting that you mentioned that. We just did a, a blog actually on productivity apps and Asana is our, our number one. We use that regularly, but we have clients that use ClickUp. Uh, we've seen some other really interesting platforms too, but you, I think every company needs a project management system for sure. I know. And I'm to the point when I talk to another business owner, especially when you've got 30 employees and even smaller than that, but I'm going, you don't have a project management system. How are you run, operating without feeling like you're constantly being pulled in a hundred directions? Like you need Asana, ClickUp or Monday, one of those help structure everything. We have, I think, 20 employees now, and I believe we've had Asana since we've had five employees, just yeah. because we start when you start growing and keeping track of everything and all the deadlines and, you know, there's there's just a lot of stuff, you know? There is. I always say, even if you're a solopreneur, mm-hmm. use it because you've still got a million things you're trying to tackle. Using a, and Asana is one of my favorites. We used Asana with my 125-person company, and- it completely changed me from being a goldfish at work. They called me the goldfish because they'd ask me to do something and then I would forget because I've, I've got a hundred <laughs> things, you know, I get back to my desk and I've got 400 emails and mm. we were small. Like you said, we, I, we weren't 30 people yet. We were smaller than that. I mean, and so I think it doesn't matter where you are. If you don't have one, it, it's difficult. And so I went from being a goldfish mm-hmm. to remembering the details that you need to remember. You know, we'd be in a client meeting with uh, one of our, with Mercedes or GMC, and they're like, hey, have you ever had this? And I could pull it from the files of my brain and remember, yes, we did. In 2017, this happened. Let's look back and I could find immediately where it was. And that's the brain space you want to have is remembering the details that are important, not trying to remember everything swirling around in your head that you have to do all day. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So you mentioned Mercedes and GM. You've worked with some big companies. 
Tell me about We did. That. So my previous company, we we did social media management for car dealerships. Mm-hmm. And then I built a software for what tied into their CRM. So after a customer left, after they purchased a vehicle or after the c- customer got their car service, they would receive a text message saying, hey, how did, how did we do? How did you like your service? And if it was good, it would prompt them to leave like a Google review or Facebook review. So we worked with a lot of large the large manufacturers and a lot, um, a lot of the larger auto groups. Nice. And what are you doing now? So now we help companies implement Asana ClickUp in Monday, and then some that. automation <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, it's a lot to take in. So we help uh, companies implement that. We do some automation outside of it. So you know, you might be using HubSpot and Active Campaign or these other platforms, and you want everything to work together. So we um, do automation for companies, and then I built a software platform again uh, for, to solve a solution with documentation. So we built Arvo, and it helps teams build documentation in a format that appeals much more to millennials and Gen Z. It's uh, digitally appealing. It's all digital. So you can share links and it's not, you know, oh, I've got to send you a printed manual, um, you know, across the country. It's, it's all there for a searchable knowledge base. So, okay. So I'm going to geek out a little bit on this. I've okay. used Tango before. Have you, are you okay. familiar with Tango? I love Tango. So Tango basically takes screenshots in, you know, trans, it, it uses AI to translate what you are doing. Okay. I love it because you can create a procedure relatively quickly and it's very accurate because it's taking screenshots of the process. Yeah. So, and then what is the other one? Oh my goodness. It's leading my brain right now. But then there's, there, there's been another one that we've used before. We just keep our procedures in OneDrive and SharePoint actually. So yeah. tell me how does Arvo differ from those? So with Tango, it would have to be a process that's on, that you're walking them through on a browser, right? You're walking them through Mm -hmm. a second screenshot. There are many other processes in your organization that that are outside of that. So what we, we work with Tango, you can embed anything you've built in Tango into our, into our system. And then the same thing with, with OneDrive. Now you're going to, what we realized with a lot of these is one, at the end of the day, it looks more like a PDF or a text document, right? It's it's not as skimmable as some people like. And then you have all these other platforms. People really like recording with Loom, you know, quick mm-hmm. quickly record a Loom. But then you've got this huge, massive library of all these videos and you don't have any other details maybe to go along with it. And so what we did is we did integrations with all of those. So it doesn't matter which one of the platforms you like, you can embed it in ours. And then it doesn't always have to be it doesn't have to be a loom. Maybe it's just a few steps. And we've integrated AI with it so that it can write part of your process. And one of the cool features that we're seeing clients do using Arvo is that they loved it so much because it looks so pretty. Everything that you create in there is really beautiful. Is that they started saying, what if I created a document and sent it to my my client? Mm-hmm. And so they're creating client status updates and sending it to their client. They're creating a searchable uh, libraries for their client, asset libraries for their client, and it, they're able to use it internally and externally. So that's been a fun. We didn't foresee that happening when we built it. We were thinking more just like internal documentation, but with the way that we've structured it, you can create these client portals. Mm. I think LMSs are somewhat like that as well. I, I'm seeing because we we help develop those, so we use one internally, but 
we have a client right now that's like, you know, I want all my training videos to be available to my clients. So, you know, and that's what she does is consultation in the healthcare healthcare space. So it makes sense that the platform could have that flexibility to be internal and external. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. And and we are a very light LMS is how, and they call a lot of times uh, another 10 KSB grad. She owns an LMS and uh, she, she has partnered with us because we're, we're known as a quick authoring tool in that world. You can quickly author anything in our tool and then they will use ours and embed it in the LMS because an LMS can be a little more difficult sometimes because they, they do so much that it can be more difficult to build something out. So they use our tool and embed it into an LMS. We have a number of our customers doing that. Oh, Interesting. Did I read somewhere that you were a TEDx speaker? Was that you? I'm not. You're not. Okay. I'm not sure where I got that from. And again, as I explained to you, I came into this meeting a little less prepared than what I normally would be. Uh, okay. okay. So talk to me. We wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, how failures are not failures. Do you... Did you choose to like consult people with this or did you just like start talking to people, building up a repertoire of stories? You know, I one of the things that was a catalyst for me is I have a friend and she had started doing a podcast and it was getting some legs and she she wanted to turn that into her main business. So she she quit her full-time, a really well-paying corporate job. She quit and she went out on her own. And she worked for two years at her company, trying to build it up to make it a sustainable company. And I saw her at an event one day and I was like, how is, how's your podcast going? How's everything going? And she was so embarrassed. She was like, honestly, I'm shutting it down and I'm going to go back to my corporate job. They've offered me a position. And I said, wow, that is incredible. Congratulations and how lucky they are that they they've got you back because you not only have the amazing experience of working with them, but now you've ran your company for two years and you're gonna be so much better. And and her attitude changed. She was like, Yeah, I guess you're right. And she's like, I was so embarrassed to tell people I didn't succeed. And I'm like, I'd I'd love to hire somebody like you that you went out and you tried it. And there's nothing wrong with not enjoying what you thought it like nothing wrong with not enjoying what you thought it would be, you know, and we get so attached to our emotions on things because we invested a lot of time and we like to be successful. You know, nobody goes in being like, well, I'm going to be a loser at this. <laughs> you know, we we had these expectations of ourselves. And so it was her that conversation with her that I said, you know what, how many times have I been her? That I was disappointed and I was embarrassed to tell people, you know, when when I had to close my maternity store, I felt like a failure. And but I had no more time to give. I just couldn't do it anymore. And other people, it, it doesn't even matter necessarily. You know, maybe other people did think, wow, like she's a loser. She had to close her business. But nobody can take away what I learned from that experience. And that's how I wanted to change. And and when I had the conversation with my friend is I don't want I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I don't want her to feel that way. And all the other entrepreneurs that have been in that experience, like we can change our mindset. 
you know, people go to school, they go to college, and they leave with $100,000 in debt. That's more than most business owners have in debt, right? But because they have a college degree, they think that's success. Well, they've got $100,000 in debt when, man, at this point, I'd almost like somebody else to go and run their business than get a college degree and have that much experience under them because they've learned a lot more. But our perspective is different. We see the college degree as success and we see a business owner that closed their business as a failure when they learned probably more than that college student. I would agree. We, um, interestingly enough, for our social media coordinators, we often start them through an internship, even though the majority of them are college graduates. And we do this, they've got a graduate degree in marketing, but they are so green and have no world experience. And so the things that they've learned in class, that's all well and good. That sometimes does or doesn't function in the world. And they, oftentimes have no idea how to talk to people. I mean, to integrate and face-to-face conversation and be assertive enough to make suggestions. And that's not very assertive to make suggestions. I'm, And this is the challenge. So that's why that internship works for us. But you're absolutely correct. The business owner who started their social media company and went out there and fell on their face, they've learned a lot. they've tried different software platforms to try to solve their problem, you know, and, and like you're saying, they're so green when they come out of college, even just teaching them the software platforms that we use every day, Slack, Mm -hmm. Asana, Zoom, Google, like they feel overwhelmed, number one. And then the training that we have to teach them because they have no experience using them. It's been, it's difficult. So they do, they need to be an intern for a while. And and I've really gotten agitated with, especially during um, COVID, where a lot of schools offered another, like they could get, um, add another year on and stay as a graduate program. So they could get their bachelor's and then like if they had a scholarship, then they could extend that and get a graduate degree. But what that took away from those students is any real world experience. So they're graduating, like you said, with a master's degree, and I'm going, well, you have to learn the same amount of stuff as somebody that didn't go. Mm -hmm. So it's very, um, we're at an interesting time. We are. We absolutely are. So how did, you've explained that your friend was your catalyst, but are you doing anything with your newfound passion for you know, uplifting those who feel like they failed, being that you're actually in a tech industry. Yeah, I do a lot more speaking now. And that's one of my big passions is, you know, I've I've, I've got this idea and I I want to be able to share it, especially an entrepreneur. So um, I've, I've gotten a lot more speaking engagements and I'm, I'm working on doing more of those because there's they're so incredible and and you know i always when i started off speaking on this topic i was always worried maybe it doesn't resonate with everybody you know maybe not everybody started a business but we've all had failures so i've i've now spoken from groups from female athletes a room full, filled of them and i've talked about failure and man you couldn't get a better resonating crowd than female athletes that <laughs> you know right. or any athlete we've all failed at some point mm-hmm. you know to um, entrepreneurs that we're, we're always, we always have different ideas. We're always trying something new. And so I started speaking last year on this topic 
and it has begun to build on itself. And so I'm really, my tech company is is continued to going to be there. And I've got an amazing team of people, but really starting to do more speaking engagements that I can help maybe shift some paradigms for people. And and I do get to see people write me letters. They send me messages on LinkedIn, you know, s- telling me what how it made a difference. And that is meaningful for me, that I was able to help change a perspective on, and that's all it is. It's just our perspective on this. Nothing else changed in our story, right? That still happened, <laughs> but our perspective changed. And I was helpful in doing that. And so I get a lot of fulfillment from that. Have you written any books? I have written three books. I've published three books, but not on this topic. Well, so they, they, on? <laughs> they are. I published two cookbooks. So one of my passions when I sold my company and, and I had extra time because I'd, you know, going through that process of I don't need to check my email. I have nobody needing anything from me. It was very eerie. So I had to find something to do with my time. So I wrote three books. So I wrote my first two are cookbooks and they're and they're called Burger Fit. And it's me, it's mixing meat, ground meat with vegetables to help your kids or significant others that are picky eaters eat beets and zucchini and not even realize it because they're eating it in a burger. So those are the two. And then the third one I did was um a, I call it the small steps planner. And so I've I've had a health journey of my own and and kind of it's kind of similar to like not focusing on things as failures not focusing on just the weight. Like there's so much, when we carry stress, what that does to our health. And I was starting to have an autoimmune um, disease pop up and uh, chronically from stress. And so I had to lose weight. I needed to step away from the amount of stress I was carrying. And so I wrote a, a, it's called the small steps planner, and it's to help people take healthier steps to living the life that they want. Both of those sound Excellent, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have any picky eaters, though. Even my granddaughter, she'll she'll try vegetables. Now she might spit it out immediately, but she will try. She'll try it. But that's the first step, (laughs) you know, to get them to try it. Most kids don't even do that these days. Yeah, she's not quite four yet, and she's pretty adventuresome for for that age. That's amazing. I love that. So. Elaine, this has been a delightful conversation. Can you tell the audience how they can get a hold of you after the show? Yes, please find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active. So Elaine Boyd, there's not many of us, so you'll see me, blonde, uh, blonde-headed lady. And find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message. I love connecting with other founders and business owners and people that just enjoy talking about cool things. Okay. And we'll make sure that your LinkedIn um, link is actually in your profile when we post your podcast to make it easy for people to find you. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, gosh. That's a whole nother episode. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we covered some really great topics and I really appreciate it. Perfect. Elaine, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.